right here, so. Oh, he topped Whoa. it. He cold topped it. Okay. Try to get him. Yeah. Welcome to the Bogey Boys podcast. You're joined here by Kevin and Mark, as always. We've got a guest, Mr. Daniel Gaunt. How are we, brother? Very good. Thanks, guys. How are you? Very well. Yeah, very well. Thanks for coming on the show, Dan. Appreciate you taking the time. No, no problem at all. It's always great to uh, to join you guys on the podcast anytime. Yeah. How's things for you at the moment? Obviously, I know we've, we're going through a lockdown at the moment. Yeah, it's, um, it's okay. Um, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I suppose. But yeah, it's been. I've personally, I've I've struggled quite a bit with with the lockdown. You know, I, I like being out and about and doing stuff and, and and stuff like that. And obviously, with with the way financially, you know, I've probably been the one of the excluded uh, people to not get any help from the government, and yet they expect they still expect us to pay the mortgage and pay the bills and all that sort of stuff. So it has been quite stressful, but, you know, you do what you have to do to get by and, and feed the kids and stuff like that. So, you know, the, the light is at the end of the tunnel and we're going we're gonna to crack on and golf will start up soon. Exactly. And I will, hopefully there's, um, there's brighter futures ahead. But before we get into the future, we go back to where it all began in, in uh, Australia, I believe, we believe. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I started... Oh, when I was a kid, when I was probably about 10, you know, my, my parents had a farm. Well, my grandparents had a farm and we we, we got the house on that farm. Mum and dad were, were re- renovating the house and me and my brother would just go out and hit golf balls. My dad was golfing. Mum started playing golf. And we used to just, while they were decorating and stuff, just hit balls up and down the paddocks and stuff like that. And that's how, how I got into it. I was always a very sporty person. I'd play Aussie rules football. I'd play basketball, netball. Every every different night, I was playing something different. So I was fit, young young lad. And basically, when I was about, I think it was about fourteen, we weren't allowed to join the golf club until we were about six, about fourteen or fifteen. It was just one of those rules back in the day. But the local club let us join. Um, I was still playing Aussie rules football at that that stage, but I was still still really small and. I was still going in quite hard and getting knocked out every week. And then after, yeah. after a while, it took, took took its toll and I just sort of lost lost my love for the football. And Dad dad just basically said, make a decision. Do you want to play football or do you want to play golf? And I chose golf. What was it What was it like growing up in Australia playing golf? Because as I say, we, we were getting a feel for um, the setup in, in England and what it takes to get into the England national setup as an amateur. But in Australia, what was it like growing up playing o- over there? It, uh, it, it was fantastic. Like we've got some of the best golf courses in the in the world. Um, I grew up about half an hour north of the Melbourne Airport in a little town called Romsey. It was a twelve twelve hole golf course. The greens were probably. I remember going back in two thousand and fifteen, and I stepped the first green out. It was twelve steps long and about eleven steps wide. That's how big most of those greens were, and they're all raised about two feet. So. Even though it was it was a short golf course, it was a tough. It's a tough, really tough golf course. Um, so for me, one, you know, once I progressed to go to Melbourne, when my golf got, 
got a lot better. I, I went to Melbourne and then and started playing on the sandbelt golf courses, and I was just I was blown away by um, how good the the facilities are, everything because I was playing off dirt basically. There was no grass. It was in the middle of a racetrack, and yeah, you know, you know obviously living on the farm or we practicing on the farm, which was pretty rugged. So. Um, and then to go back down to Melbourne onto the Sandbelt golf courses, you know, everything was immaculate and, you know, the greens, the greens are there and the bunkers shaped into the greens and sharp edges and stuff like that. And we, we didn't even have a, have a bunker at the golf course I grew up at. I helped build one bunker on the first hole there when I was about 15 and that was the only bunker we had. Um, oh, what's the reason for the 12 holes? Just space? It- just yeah, it was just in the middle of a racetrack, and that's that's I suppose that's how it got designed. And then we played the last six holes with a different tee, um, and the 18th was just sort of a longer version of the of the 12th hole. It was it was uh, yeah something different, and they they played. We used to have tournaments around there, you know, like the, the yearly tournaments that every golf course would have, but it was a 24 hole tournament, so you'd play two two rounds of 12. So. Yeah. That's a first, anyway. That's a first yeah. for the podcast. I think it's my first I've ever heard of a twelve-old boss. There, but yeah, we, we 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 did all the same things as over here. I think you have your inter-club competitions. We call it pennant over there. Yeah, um, play against all the you know you have your divisions and you play against all your other clubs and stuff like that. And we played, you know, travelled around Victoria playing all these different golf courses. Some are sand scrapes. I don't know whether you know what sand scrapes are, but you know, sand sand greens. Um, no, I'm not aware of them, no. Uh, so basically, they're oil, sand, oil greens. You still have this, the normal golf course, but then you'd have a black oil green at the end of it with a hole. It was a tiny bit bigger, but then once you got onto the green, you couldn't land on the green. You'd have to run everything up because it was like concrete. And then when you got onto the green, you sort of just you, you wrote a big like arrow where your ball was. You picked it up, you made it long enough, and then you had a rake. So you'd rake it one way and then you'd smooth it back the other way on how quick you wanted it. So if you wanted it quick, you'd, you'd take all the sand away. If you wanted it to put a little bit slower, you'd, you'd leave a little bit of sand. I and, that would uh, be an absolute nightmare for slow play. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a lot slower once if, if you misjudged it and you landed on the green and went 60 yards through the back. It's a big bounce. They were, you know, they were great times. And I think... Um, that's probably why a lot of Australians have great short games as well, because the greens are so small over there. You've got different conditions all the time, different, you know, people coming from different areas of the country and playing sort of different, a lot different sort of structures of golf courses. Um, that was that was a big key to, you know, my junior golf. I can imagine um, you winning the inter-club competitions if someone else comes from a normal golf course and the next minute you've got to rake the putt out and see what sort of pace they want it. <laughs> 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 it was difficult like all the guys in the, in the region that were played with all knew about it so it was not oh, there, was, see, yeah. there was no to it but obviously it was all about imagination on how you know how you could flight your golf ball and get it to you, you know you could either hit a wedge in and land it just short of the green and get it to check onto the onto the sand scrape or you hitting a seven iron and running it up all the time it's you know there were so many variations of the way you could play it and if you had the best, probably if you had the best imagination and touch, you were going to be the best at it. And, and how, did, how did your amateur career progress then from there? Did you did you make the national setup? Did you the national team as an amateur? Or, and what what big what big tournaments did you play in growing up? Yeah, sort of pro- progressed pretty quickly actually. And then uh, so by the time I was about 15, 16, I was getting picked for the the junior sides in Victoria. 
played for Victoria Juniors, which we won the interstate inter competition once. I think we won that. Um, and I also, uh, at that stage, I was I won the Australian Amateur Medal with Terry Pilgadaris. That was when I was quite young. Um, I also remember qualifying for the match play part of it at Metropolitan in, in a playoffs. And I, I, I was 32nd qualifier and I had to play... I think Marcus Kane, it was, who was a top player in Australia at the time, and I, I beat him five and four in the first round. But nice, those were those were the good days. Um, I did play for Australia in the juniors as well. Um, unfortunately, we were in part of the team that, that lost for the first time against New Zealand, so it's nothing to really, nothing <laughs> you know, it's all good to be to represent the country. And then I got into the squad of the senior side, quite young as well. But then, obviously, when I got a bit older. I started to find the this stuff, and uh, <laughs> the golf sort of took a back seat for a bit. And then, uh, yeah, and then, and then basically sort of turned pro at that stage. Got into the v Victorian Institute of Sport at those, those times as well. I don't know if you know the Victorian Institute of Sports. Just a basically training like the England squad would have. As you know, you know, pretty much that was the thing to go to go in was either the AIS or the VIS if you're in if you're an elite player back then. Okay. Uh, Ogilvy, uh, Baddeley, and all those sort of guys went through those. Or um, well, Baddeley and and Jeff were in the VIS when I was in it, so. Oh, nice. Uh, it was a big, big thing to get into back then. Yeah, definitely. So, did you turn professional over in Australia? Because I know primarily you play you play your, your golf over here now, and, and you're living over here. So, talk us to obviously when, when you turned professional and the transition from amateur to pro back then. Yeah, it was uh, so. Yeah, I, I turned pro. I can't even remember what year it was. Is that yeah, that long ago? But ninety-nine, I think. Nine. Yeah, I think it was that. So I went from my card in Australia, got it straight away. Played one season on the Aussie Tour and. Just played played terrible to be honest. Um, not sure why. It was just even though I got my card for the first time, I think I was still, you know, it's coming out my amateur career going into pro. I was still not playing great. And the decision to turn pro was just because I just didn't want to be amateur anymore. It was you know it was starting to get political and stuff like that. So I just wanted to be out. Got my card somehow. You know, grinded my way through it and probably was too early to, to start competing against these top guys. If you look back at it now, back in the, back in the day, if you missed your card, you couldn't play for 12 months. Was there, uh, no, so, was there no mini tours to play on though? No. So if you missed your card, you couldn't even play a pro-am. And the funny thing was what the year I missed my card was the year I met my wife to be, to come over to England. I could qualify for the British Open. But because I lost my card in Australia, I couldn't go back and qualify for the Aussie Open. It was sort of almost like a, a, a ban back then. Wow. Um, yeah, it was shocking. You, you know, couldn't even play a pro-am or anything like that. So basically that was, you know, I met my wife now and decided to come over here. She's English and I haven't, look, haven't looked going back. The plan was to go back, but we, I, I sort of enjoyed it a lot more over here at the time. I was sort of, when my golf was going downhill anyway, I was... I was not in the best of places. Obviously, I was I was young and I was partying quite a lot and stuff like that. What young people do, and you know, the golf took a back seat for a while. Obviously, my performances showed that, and I needed to get back on the straight and narrow. And it was just it was great that I met I met my wife, and 
fell in love with her and obviously fell in love with the game back over here. Yeah. Well, talk, cool, talk us through the, the progression over here then. So was it the start of the Euro Pro and work your way up, was it, for you? Yeah, so um, at first I was working. I didn't even play because on the visa that I had, um, I wasn't allowed to play the sport, basically, but my job at the time. Uh, so I was, I just worked for 12 months. And then after that 12 months, I, I progressed to the Euro Pro and I think I did pretty well, pretty sh- you know, pretty quickly on that as well. I don't think I won in the first year, but I, I was doing okay. Spent a couple of years on that and then progressed. I think I had a couple of challenge tour starts and did well through that but, and, and finished top five of the Euro Pro, but no, I never had the money to play the challenge tour year, those years after. So I just stayed on the Euro Pro and basically was on the Euro Pro and I played a couple of challenge tours up to 2009, I think it was. And in between that, I had one year on the main tour in 2004. Somehow got my card then, <laughs> you know, cruised through, got my card, played one year on the main tour, lost a heap of money, spent a heap of money, got myself in debt. And I sort of went back working in Euro Pro at the same time. So so as, as you're making the progression then from the, or onto, the, onto the European tour that year, you, have you got any funding or is everything just self-funded through yourself? Just, I've basically been self-funded my whole time. It's uh, Wow. Good sponsor, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're paying them back. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've I've never really had had a sponsor. Been tough, you know, and I think that's why why I have done well because I've grinded it out because I know that I've needed to, you know, I can't give up just when I have a bad hole. It's, it means putting the food food on the table for the kids or paying a mortgage or whatever. So you know, I'm all, always grinding out a score to try and. Even if it's to win that ten quid, at the end of the day, it's it's always a grind to get it. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I know it's different now because we're seventeen years on. But in two thousand and fourteen, what are we talking for a year on the European tour? How much were you having to? Two thousand and four. Ah, uh, you would have to. I mean, to do it cheaply, you would still be doing thirty grand at least. At least. Oh, wow. Is that for you? Got a full season there? Like so you're all over, you're everywhere. Yeah, that's a full season. That's that's doing it. On the on the cheap, you know, like probably maybe getting local caddies every week and um, staying in the cheapest hotels and stuff like that. But if you, you know, it's one of those that you know I I was doing it that way, and so I obviously didn't work for me, and I was you know the pressure was too much for me at that time. So obviously I fell back and I have to go back to work to pay for things. <laughs> exactly, that's it. Well, I was going to say then was you know in two thousand and three when you've actually got your card. What sort of a season are you having there to to, to actually get your card? Uh, so I got yeah, I got through tour school. Um, oh, I see. Yeah, 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 through all three stages. The first year I was over and I went to tour school. Um, I missed that second stage, I think. But then I sort of was one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I don't think you need to do anything special to get your card. You know, my my men- mentality back then was, a, you know, I was pretty strong with, you know, the way my golf was. I was always very confident golfer and stuff like that. And then when I missed it second stage, I was just like, because you think, and I think a lot of the young guys still probably think you need to shoot lights out at tour school every round, but you don't. It's just about, you know, you can shoot two under every day, which is nothing special. And you're going to cruise your card, easy. Um, that's a quality bit of advice, that for um, for the listeners, like. And that's and that's exactly what I did. 
obviously depending on what course you get and the conditions, but if you look at tour school's final stage over the last the last few years, if you're shooting 14 under for the for the six rounds, you're you're cruising your card. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when it was at, at Catalonia, you know, like that's you know, you're not really it's not really nothing special, if you know what I mean. Yeah. You know, you, Although when I got my card, I shot 21 under, but I finished seventh then. Yeah. So um, I haven't shot 21 under since. <laughs> <laughs> After six rounds. <laughs> hey, it must be so much um, less pressure knowing that when you, if you don't get your card, you can still actually play pro-ams and, like be a, and play pro events, not like in Australia. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I think, I think the backup when, you, when you've had... When you've gone through a few stages of, of European tour school, you do get sort of certain categories on different tours. So there's always backups. And obviously I was doing well on the Euro Pro, so I already knew that I had a challenge to a card to fall back on and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. And especially over here, you've got all these mini tours now that you can play. Yeah. And yeah. Up some decent, some decent money playing those, um, which you never really had in Australia. It's just pro arms and and that's about it, and then the, and then the five or six big big tournaments. But I never I never really played them. So when you obviously when you said that you lost your card in two thousand and four on the European tour, what was what was the ground like then from from then on? Did you did you get back onto the European tour? Not a not for a while. Sort of basically just sort of fell back. Try got a loan because I'd run out of money to try and go back to tour school. Blew that. Miss my card and then sort of just come back and was doing Euro Pro and working in between, you know, I was working in golf shops, I was labouring, I was doing all sorts, you know, anything I could do to get by. And then in 2009, I was about to give up again properly because I was just really, really struggling. My brother was over, wasn't even going to enter British Open qualifying. He goes, I'll pay for that. So he paid for my entry and I qualified. <laughs> No, wow. and and that was that term breathe, and that sort of just kickstarted me again to to keep going. You know, I had a great week. I had a great week there. Played with Tom Watson, John Daly, Rory. Um, well, talk us through that whole experience because 2009 that was the one Tom Watson lost in a playoff to Sink, wasn't it? Yeah. So I always said if I if I was to get into a major, I would try and play with the best guys who I think is going to be the best you know Tom Watson was the best uh Greg Norman was there I wanted to play with Greg so anytime I had the chance to put my name down with those guys I would have just to get the opportunity to learn from them so I went into the locker room got there on the Sunday checked in done all the signing of everything that you need to do with with the open registration and stuff went into the locker room to do the practice round to, to book my practice rounds and there was a slot Tom Watson Greg Norman two free spots and I'm like I want that spot yeah. so I put my name down there and then and then the next day so the so the Tuesday was up already and there was John Daly Boo Weekly and I said well, I'll have that spot um, so then on the on the Monday we get there and I'm just absolutely buzzing I'm getting all the stuff from the, the manufacturers on the range seeing everyone and all that sort of stuff and then it was time to go to the first tee and the crowd around the first tee and the whole hole, it was like five deep, the whole hole. And this was on the Monday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it turned out that Greg didn't turn up. 
Oh, no. Turn up for it. And I was absolutely gutted. But Tom's like, oh, Greg's not turning up. I'm going to wait. I wait a bit longer and see if he if he comes. Are you happy with that? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, I want to. I'll wait all day if if I have to. Yeah. Um. And it, and Greg didn't turn up. And then Tom walked to the tee, and it looked like he was going to join Paul Casey and a couple of Poulter, I think it was. And and the, the the actual guy that was on the first tee announcing, and even on the practice day was announcing people. He's like, this two young guys from Australia have wanted to play with you, Tom. You know, you think you should hold back, and he did. So. Oh, played played days holes with Tom, and that was that was unbelievable. And and I said after that round, when uh, when I was staying with the, the guys I stayed with, I said, "You want to go and have a bet on Tom Watson?" I remember it as clear as day. I said he will win this week the way he's playing. Oh yeah, and he almost did, didn't he? Just remember, yep. remember it well. But <laughs> it was my first experience in a in a thing, so it was probably highly unlikely I was going to win. But yeah, he was phenomenal from Ted. Every part of his game was just absolutely phenomenal. We went, we went to that one, didn't we? 2000, yeah, we went to Tim. Yeah, we went up. We were there, yeah. Remember, because Tom Watson hit it over the green, didn't he, on 18 and couldn't get up and down and it forced a playoff. He had the lead going into the last hole, didn't he? He, he? he almost hit the perfect shot, you know, the green, because the front the front of the green sort of slopes yeah. away. Just land, if he'd landed it six feet further, it would have hit a little bit of an upslope and stopped. Um, and I, I was absolutely gutted for him, absolutely gutted. Yeah. But, I was the best player in the world on the Friday because I shot the lowest score on the Friday. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> well done. So you made the cut then and made the weekend, yeah? Yeah, I made the weekend, but that, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think every other bunker on the golf course above for the whole week. <laughs> so what was, what was it like playing with Rory as well, 2009? How old would he have been there? He was only, I think he'd only just turned pro, still in the tightless gear and all that sort of stuff. Um that was this. This was the on the on the Saturday. So it was after after we made the cut, and I was playing really good golf up until about 13, 14, and then sort of just sort of lost my way a little bit, got a bit tired or whatever. And, just, and then Rory sort of fired up, and it made me look like a fool, you know. Like you know, he signs for a seventy-four or seventy-two or something. And I signed for eighty-one, just just like that, you know. I thought I was playing him off the golf course, and. Um, he he just sort of finished birdie 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 and just yeah just made me look like a, a complete complete hack. <laughs> um, and I remember the sixteenth the uh, there, the one down the hill to the right with the burn in front. He's he's got up there and smashed driver over the corner and and I'm like, I'm going to have you here. I'm going to have you. So I just launched one on the exactly the same line. We get down there, mice. There's a ball just in the rough on the corner, and there's a there's a buggy that's driven across the fairway, you know, on on the spectators' walk area about sixty yards further down. It's about fifty yards short of the short of the burn. Anyway, this you know, I look at the ball. Oh God, it's my ball in the corner, you know, in the rough again. And, yeah. and the guy's like, "Oh, there's a ball here. It's in the it's in the it's in the buggy." And it was Rory's ball. He said, "It was one bounce in the buggy." And I I can guarantee you to this day. If it didn't hit that buggy, it would have gone in the burn, which is about 420. Wow. Oh, my God. He's a monster, uh, isn't he? How far he hit it. And then he chipped it to about, I don't know, a foot and tapped it in the night, hit it in the burn for about the seventh time that week. And <laughs> <laughs> I hit it in the burn. I think I hit it in the burn four times, and one, one of the times I wasn't even playing the hole. <laughs> <laughs> Quality stuff. That, was that, you say that's your career highlight. Yeah. I know you've had a few wins as well. Yeah, you know, like obviously the wins are the you can't really beat the wins, but as a golfer, you want to play majors 
as well. You know, it's my only major up to this up to this point, so that's that's probably yeah, it's it's one of the the biggest highlights. Um, obviously, winning Challenge Tour events and stuff like that, and then and then beating Tiger. Well, I finished third in the Aussie Masters at 2010, which was the year after I didn't did well as well. You know, beat Tiger there and and stuff like that. So that was another highlight. But apart from apart from a couple of wins, I don't think I've won major things yet. You know, you know, a challenge tour is is a major thing to get onto the main tour. But as a major, that that's definitely a highlight, definitely. Well, you mentioned there about Tiger Woods. Did you play with Tiger Woods, or did you just beat him in the tournament? No, I've. Uh, so he was about three groups ahead of ahead of me, and he finished fourth, and I finished third that year. So. Yeah. Everyone says, "Oh, you beat Tiger," so I, I just keep saying. It. Yeah, <laughs> well, you yeah. did, didn't you? Do you mean you did? If you're beating Tiger, you've had a pretty good event, I think. <laughs> no, that's it, definitely, yeah. Definitely. Well, it's, it's staying on 2010 there. We had a look at your Challenge Tour win. You beat a young amateur, Tommy Fleetwood. Gone on to do great things. Do you remember much about Tommy um, back back then? Yeah, I, I think I was the one that started his career off, I think. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> um, yeah, he was, again, you know, that, that year, 2010, I started off great. It was just after the Open. I was working in the golf shop and I just kept saying to myself in the golf shop, I'm going to win everything this year. I'm going to win everything. I wasn't I wasn't being a, a dickhead about it. I was just yeah. basically saying that's how confident I was starting to feel with, with everything. And basically, I, I nearly did <laughs> that year. You know, I started off on, I think it was Pro 66, which is now TP Tour. Won the first one of that. Then I went to the Euro Pro at Wensum Valley, won the first one of that. Um, I think I've come second or come second in the second one. So I was leaving the money list quite comfortably early on. And then that got me an invite into the English challenge. Um, and then I won that, obviously, by one against Tommy. So yeah, it was a it was a phenomenal year. It was just it was one of those years where I just don't know what was happening. I wish I could get that. Whatever, whatever I had in my head that that year, I wish I could get back because I was just shooting eight under for fun. It was, I was just freewheeling it, and I think I don't know what what was on, but yeah, I'd love to find that that uh, whatever I had going on. You there. Like you just had a lot of self belief. Yeah, Not yeah, a long way, can't it? Was it definitely was, uh, and I think you know once you. When I was in that situation, I had that belief that I was going to win everything and I was telling myself that and I was doing sort of the right things. I was in the gym and, well, before I was playing, you know, obviously I wasn't playing full time then, but I was in the gym before work and and all that sort of stuff. So I was fit and I was healthy. Everything was going right. And, yeah, it's, you guys know, it's it's golf can be so, can turn like that, you know. Yeah. I could go out when lockdown starts and I could do exactly the same thing just because the head's clear and I keep saying I'm going to win everything. You know, that's, that's as simple and as quick as golf can happen. And I, I will be trying to do that when, when we return, but yeah, it was, um, I, I do have a lot of self-belief in, in what I do. Yeah. Well, they always say though, whether you, you think you can or you think you can't, either way you're right. Exactly. And you, know I mean? you can. <laughs> exactly. So you that's always it. There's always a can there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. Definitely. Well, then talk us through um, how, how your career progressed from there. 2010, your standout year, was it then? And then how did how did your golf game and, and how did it go on the tours as you progressed throughout your career? Yeah, so 2010 was obviously the great one. Then 
got my card on the main tour, which I was pretty much flying, doing well again, and then just made some crap decisions, uh, really bad decisions, really. You know, I was, I was, everything was in a in a great spot, and decided to sign with management, which just was the, just the wrong call at the wrong time, and everything sort of went downhill from there. Basically, you know, the relationship turned and. It just, it just wasn't working out. I wanted to get out. And then all of a sudden, it felt like I was going to have a lawsuit on my hands and cost cost me a heap of money, 25 grand to get out of that contract. And, wow. Um, yeah, so it was it was one of those things. I wish, basically, if I, if I knew what I knew now, I, I would never have gone down those sort of paths. And, um, the, the idea of these these podcasts is, is obviously to try and give a bit of insight and a bit of advice. You've been there, you've done it. What advice would you give? You don't have to go into details if you don't want to about what happened there. But, I mean, what advice would you give to a young up-and-coming amateur who's looking to turn professional if they do get approached by a management company? What advice would you take from that? Read the, uh, read the contract. You know, that's that's the – you get, get get two or three people to look over the contract if you have to because – yeah, at the end of the day, these these are the guys that are going to represent you, and they need to be in your best interests. They need to do everything for you. Not, and it just felt like at the time that I was, you know, I'm the boss as the golfer, employing a management company. But it seemed like it was always the opposite way around, where they're employing the player, and I just don't see it that way. No, definitely. you know, they work for me but it felt like I was working for them. You know, if I wasn't making them money, they were pissed off because I was playing crap. And then I only got them because I thought they were, they were good for getting sponsors because I didn't have the time to, you know, crack on to try and write letters and track down some sponsors for me. But, and then I get told, told you, know, you know, I need to play better. And that was the year that 2010, where I've gone from 1,700 in the world to 150. So I don't think I needed to play better. <laughs> yeah. You know, what's better? You know, there's only a couple more wins in there and, and that was it. But, yeah, you know, for any young person going down the management route, just make sure you're doing – you make sure the contract's right for you and, you know, basically right for everyone in the, in the party that's going to be supporting your team. I do get I do get it. it's a business for them. You know, they need to make money as well. But at the end of the day – you know, they can't, I just don't think it's it's right in their natures to be, you know, taking golfers to go, you know, to court. You know, the word gets out when they start doing that and then they'll have no customers at all. So, you know. Well, if you look at the approach of some of the management companies now, it's like all player first. And like some of the players we've spoken to are like modest golf and, and different things like that. They can't speak highly of it. Exactly. You know, so many good ones out there now. Um, like you say, modest. You know, they've joined on, joined uh, with the clutch and stuff like that, and they're doing amazing things with all the golfers with the disabilities and stuff like that. And it's yeah. just what they're bringing to you know to the mini tour of golf, as well as you know they've got Tyrrell, top five player in the world, and stuff like that. It shows show you know having those sort of guys on board with with what golf is all about is in that explains why they're doing so well no, yeah it's, it's like yeah. it's like they care about it from the grassroots up they're not just exactly. really about trying to make exactly. money off the top players yeah. and jumping on a bandwagon the the building careers up from the bottom which is what we need to grow the game in, isn't it exactly, exactly. and, they're, and they're, they're right into the ladies golf as well and and you know building building everything you know it's it's fantastic to see that they're they're going that way and you know i hope i hope that 
that continues for, for every golfer that doesn't get caught up in a bad situation. Yeah, definitely. So I see you won again on the Challenge Tour in 2013. So obviously we've, we've spoke about 2010 there. The issue you had with your management company, was that between 10 and 13, was it? Or was that later? That was, yeah. So basically it was, I signed with them sort of the end of 2010, um, going into the main tour. So it was that year I was doing really well. And then by January, by January, I wanted out. Basically, it was it was that was that's how quick it was. It was it was almost a three month thing, and I wanted out, but I I didn't look at the contract properly, and they sold it to me a, a, a lot different than what the what I interpreted interpreted the contract, and all of a sudden I'm stuck for three years. So the only way to get out of that contract was to make another contract and pay them for twelve months of playing on tour. So that's why it cost me twenty five grand. <laughs> Again, that the whole point of these shows and is, is to try and to stop, let people learn from those type of things, so we don't. Yeah. See. So talk us from in 2013. Did your game pick up then? Or you say you've won it. You've won again. Yeah. In the challenge tour. So that that's when it's you know 2011. I sort of I was flying up until those sort of points where everything was going, it was going great, and then you know we had our fallout and sort of golf went downhill because I was thinking about other stuff and. Didn't keep my card, but I didn't have to keep enough of the card to play the, the year after. Then 2012, I just had a, a crappy year as, as well, but somehow managed to get my card through tour school again. Um, yeah, and I was I just really started to struggle with, you know, my, my short game started to go downhill for some reason. Putting was going downhill. And I remember it was the Belgium Challenge and I, I, I got a, a belly putter off Callaway Odyssey. That, that week before and I'm like oh, I just need to give something else a go and honestly I, I thought I was I, I thought I couldn't miss they're like oh, everyone's you know the reason why everyone's going to the belly you can't miss well that week I couldn't miss um, you know and I remember Sam Little said to me where the hell's that come from because you've been playing so so poor and then all of a sudden I was just absolutely blistered I'm like it's the belly part of me uh, <laughs> uh, yeah so it was one of those things that just it it came out of nowhere. It was one of those weeks where just it was a honeymoon period with the with the belly putter and hold everything. Managed to get it up and down in a playoff to beat, I think it was Will Besling, and uh, yeah, and then just I think I just missed my card again through Challenge Tour, but you know done enough to keep keep enough of a card to play. A, pretty much good seasons all the way through. And I think that's pretty much what I did for until 2017. Yeah. Um, just sort of missing out my card, but doing enough year on, year out to sort of keep playing and and sort of trying to keep keep going at some sort of level. So from like 13, you've won and then up until 17. Are you full-time golf there now or are you, are you still doing bits of work and different things? Yeah, I was, I was full-time then. Right, um, I see. It's full-time. Um, and it wasn't until yeah 2017 I just sort of I dropped back to Challenge Tour I had a card on the main tour and then I think that's when it all sort of changed over when when um, the category sort of changed um, the Rolex series were about to come into into view and stuff like that and I, I, I had the card that I had on I think it was 2000, it was either 2016 or 17 the card that I was playing off which was the one just you know, just missing my card, not pretty much nearly a full season that year. But the, the year after, I was exactly the same category, 
and didn't get nothing. Like I played like seven events, I think. Um, I remember I was in South Africa. I got my visa for India. I'd entered the Perth, the Perth Classic in Australia or whatever it was, Perth Invitational. And those are two, two tournaments where anyone could have played anyone in the past, you know, as long as you, as long as you could get to the tournament, you were, you were in basically. And that year after I didn't even get close to getting into India, which was, was like, so that was basically, you know, I started to get a little bit depressed and not getting into tournaments and then went back to challenge tour, started playing horrendous. And even though I was putting in the same amount of time as I was in the main tour and then finishing 20th in an event, Instead of picking up twenty grand, I was picking up two grand, which wasn't even covering the costs. So I was, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you had enough of that. So what? In seventeen, did you quit? Did you? Yeah, basically, just just got halfway through the season and went, yeah, I'm done. I think I, I think it was after Kazakhstan. Um, just sort of, yeah, just packed it in. I told the guys at Burr Hill, where I was a member at the time, that I wanted a job. The, the head greenkeeper I knew quite well, and. I said I was after a job and he's seen that I was committed that time. I'd asked him plenty of times before and he said, no, 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 no. And I, I think he knew in my face that I was committed to, to work. And he said, there's nothing now, but in April I've got a job for you. And then went for an interview at American Golf, got that job. Um, it just happened that I had to go to training, which I couldn't make it because I had a couple of mini tour events. And the, the guy from Burr Hill called me and said, the job's opened up now if you want to start tomorrow next week so I said yeah I'm, I'm, I'm doing that so I was greenkeeping for 18 months or so and was you not playing golf at all I was still yeah I still played um, a little bit of golf in between so I basically took my holidays that I had to play the one day TP events and um, I played great and, you know I won I think I won the order of merit that year 2019 or 18 or something like that I played played really good because I had no stresses I was getting money coming in from work and I was playing a little bit of golf and I was just going out there and enjoying it again, um, which was the, you know, what golf's all about, really getting back to just enjoying playing the game that we we grew up and fell in love with. It's crazy that you said that you're quitting Kazakhstan Airport because we've actually had another lad on the pod and he said he was sitting in Kazakhstan Airport and give up <laughs> golf, exactly the same as you have. But you were, you were, you were, you were, <laughs> Something about that place. <laughs> yeah, I gave up smoke. When I left Kazakhstan Airport, and I gave up golf as well. Gave up, yeah, gave up. Yeah. When you say an American golf day, are you talking American golf like the shop? Mm. Yeah, I used to yeah. Wait, like be mad just walking in and seeing the order be like, "There's Daniel Gordon there." Yeah, yeah. No, I, was, I only I, I had the interview. I got through past all that, but you, you would have known you would have had to do a couple of training days. To, yeah, yeah. Before you could, you know, use the till or whatever, and. They, were, they just happened to fall on the days that I was playing too too many events, and I said, "No, I'll have to I'll have to do the training another day." And that's when the, the Burr Hill jumped in and said, "Oh, the job's there," which is much better because I'd rather be outside doing the stuff oh, outside than, yeah. than stuck in the shop. Yeah, but I can see you play. You obviously back playing tournament golf again. So what's what's changed? What's the turnaround from quitting in 2017? When did you start picking them up again, or, or are you playing full time again? Uh, not full time. No, I'm just I, I basically for the last um, what are we 2021 now. So yes, yeah, so the last couple of years I've just been working as much as I can. Obviously, I was doing the greenkeeping, so I haven't gone back to any main tours and stuff like that. 
I did get a um, a good friend of mine, uh, James. He sponsored me um, 2019 to go over and play Mina tour, um, which was good. You know, that was with um, with Zane in Zane's Academy. Played over there, finished second on the Order of Merit, coming straight out of not you know not playing full time golf. I won the second event, which was. It was mind blowing, really, because I hadn't played much golf, and then basically all of a sudden I'm I'm, I'm traveling to like like a, basically a Euro Pro, the Mina Tour over in Dubai and stuff, and yeah. and go out and win. And I was just like, I really it just pumped me up because I knew that I could still still make it on the on the bigger tour, knowing that I've just only played two events and gone out and won after not really doing much for two years. Just it, it filled me with confidence, and that's why I'm sort of trying to trying to progress, trying to keep my body good for, for the coming years ahead. Playing these mini clutch and TP and trying to get my European tour card back. Are these all, what are they, the meaning and that? Is that, I'm not too familiar. Is that one day events, are they? No, they're, they're three day events. Three days, I, yeah. Same as, as, um, as Euro pros, but right, I, see, yeah. I finished second and we got, they just had like mini order of merits and you, you got invites to, I think, I, well, I got an invite finishing second on the order of merit which was the dubai classic last year i played that i played an event in thailand through it on the asian tour thailand open i could have played um the dunlop thing in japan um just the timing was wrong um but they have so many good incentives over there to play main tours and stuff like that and um it's a great tour because it's at the end of the season and then the weather's good and the course is great yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, they playing the Dubai Classic, so that must have given you a good taste in your mouth then for like I'm I'm having a go this next year now then. Yeah, it, it did and it didn't because <laughs> this is a funny story as well. And and the meaning to a guys will be probably laughing at this when I say, but at the end of the season we were on the on the range in Jordan kicking the football around and then two two local kids had little goals so we decided to play a five aside or six aside or whatever it was and no one was really passing it to me and I knew that I shouldn't have been playing because I had a tournament in Bermuda the, the week after Jake Ayres just passes this absolute beauty to me and I'm just like it's just just coming just coming to me so nice and I'm like overhead kicking this <laughs> <laughs> so I went for the I went for the Ronaldo over the head you know scissor kick to try and score and I made contact, but the my shoulder uh, dislocated <laughs> on oh landing. Oh, no way. So uh, yeah, they just they just popped me up and goes, All right, let's crack on. So I was I was like this hobbling off and getting the ice on it while they cracked on playing their football game. They didn't care one bit. <laughs> oh my god! So when was that last so, year? Yeah. That was yeah, the end of two thousand yeah, so two thousand nineteen, the end of that. So Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it was you know, and then the Desert Classic was like end of January for you know, first week of Feb. I didn't have it and that was November when I did it, end of November. So I didn't have much time to recover. And it was basically only my physio that I, I see Henry, he he said I went and seen him about six weeks before and he goes, Right, get on the range, start hitting it hard. I could still hardly move. <laughs> Yeah, so I played, and the Desert Classic was my first first tournament, or you know, basically hitting balls for the week before. I went and stayed with a friend up in at El Hammer and hit balls there and played and cracked on with it. No I wasn't, way. 
yeah, fit enough to be playing, but I wasn't missing it for the world. Mm-hmm. And I up, up by one or two, so. So you do say you've got a you know, you've got a physio there that you go and see like when you've turned pro ninety nine, like and you say like did you have much of a team around you then because all the boys these days you've got psychologist strength and conditioning a, a swing coach you know what I mean? Put on coach. No, Put on coach. I, I had managers all the way through which I should never have had. Um, so that was the only team that I, I really had. You know, the only other team was my my, my wife and kids at the time and, and my parents. You know, back in Australia who supported me. Since then, I've sort of, you know, my circle is quite small now. I've, I've tried to, you know, just sort of make my circle that, you know, I can the people I can trust, and and that's that's about, you know, that's all I need. You know, a couple of friends here and there, and um, I think that's the way to be if you want to be successful. You can't have a huge following because someone over here is going to piss you off, and someone over there is not going to do what you want, and and you're not going to get the same sort of response out of everyone. So just keep things small and then you can just do what you want to do and, and you know, you don't have to upset people and, and stuff like that. So back then I never had the teams or anything like that. And like I said, you know, the only, the only other team was the MasterCard. <laughs> they, were, they were a good team <laughs> for a while. Yeah, definitely. So what's the, what, what's the future hold for Daniel Gordon then? So what's, what, what's, what's on the, on the plans one post COVID? Is it, are you, have you got challenge tour starts this year or is it? No, nothing as big as that. Um, I plan on having the challenge to a start after a few of these clutch uh, events that they've got. Um, obviously, Modest are involved, and they've got challenge to a starts and main to a starts uh, through the through the clutch tour. So I'll be playing a lot of clutch tour and a lot of TP tour probably to start off with. You know, I'm fairly confident that I can finish. You know, I finished fifth on the clutch last year. Order of merit won the TP order of merit last year. Um, I didn't play a full season on the clutch and finished fifth, so I'm pretty confident this year. If I if I do what I expect I can do, I'll be up there in the top three, you know, challenging for for events and you know pushing for those challenge tour cards without a problem. Um, so that's that's on the plan, but that all comes down to financial situation as well. You know, if if uh, I could all, all always go out there and, and play the first three or four events poorly and not, not win any money at all. And then all of a sudden I'm behind the eight ball with, with the finances again. So it might, it might have to, you know, go back to work for a bit and get some money to pay, pay for the next entry. And that's just, that's just life. That's how I've, that's how I've operated and that's how I'll continue to operate. Yeah. Have you got, have you got the sponsor me properly? Say that again. Unless someone's to sponsor me properly. Well, that's it. I was just going to ask then, have you, have you not got a sponsor at the moment? No. Not yet, no, no. I'm working on it. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it, times are tough. We've just come out of a lockdown. It's going to be tough for everyone. So I can't really expect expect anyone to sort of help me out. It's just, you know, I'll do what I have to do, and you know, I'll control what I can control. And if someone wants to help me out, then I'm all for it, and and that they'll get rewarded as well as as me getting rewarded. Yeah, no, definitely. definitely. So, what is it? Obviously, we have a, we have quite a few listeners. If anyone's interested who's listening to this show that, that want to support you, how would the how would the contact us straight through your your social medias because we can always tag something on this. Yeah, I've got the social media going here. I think it's Gaunty eight seven nine one, and Twitter Gaunty Golf. Obviously, if someone can't get a hold of me or anything like that, they can probably contact you guys and yeah. get part details on. I'll give it to you later. Yeah, yeah. All those sort of ways. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy to find me. It's um, 
just the usual channels. If they want to, they want to contact me, then I'm open. I'm open to, to to having a chat for for those sort of things. Million percent, definitely. Well, look, now as I say, it's um, it's been great talking to you, Dan, and, and getting your journey and getting your story. It's, we we wish you the best of luck moving forward, mate. And thank and you very much. Yeah, just whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. Before you go, we've got it. Uh, we have the Bogey Boys Golf Day, and we ask all the guests like we're gonna put put a big day on and try and get everyone to come down like a pro am sort of thing. So, love to get you down. So the invites there if um if you fancy coming down, we have four. Oh, one hundred percent be there. Yeah, yeah, we're looking forward to it, mate. Yeah, we um we'll probably just obviously wait for this COVID situation. Plenty of that. Oh, there's always plenty of that around <laughs> the bogey boys. Don't you worry. <laughs> The better, the better stuff, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. We'll um, we'll get you down there then, mate. We'll keep in touch. And as I say, we wish you the best of luck this season. Get you back on that main tour. Uh, yeah. Where, where you belong. Perfect. It's been a pleasure, guys. Yeah. Cheers, Dan. Until next no, time, mate, we'll, um, you take care and we'll speak to you soon. Yep. Have a good one. Cheers, Cheers. mate. Thank you.